Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, this morning we are resuming our study in the book of Job. And we're going to be finishing Elihu's responses. So we're going to be looking at chapters 35, 36, and 37 this morning. Now, last week's was pretty heart-piercing as we started to get to some of the reasons why afflictions come upon us. And one of the questions we've been wrestling with through this whole study, and really is the theme of the study, is why do the godly suffer? And last week, Elihu shared great wisdom with Job. First, Elihu corrected him and his friends about pride. And how Job was thinking that because of his own righteousness, you know, that he would be immune to these things, or he would get answers to why these things are happening. We think of Job as like this perfect being. And when God is talking about him as being a perfect servant, It's about Job's heart towards God, not that Job has never made a mistake, right? Job is clearly dealing with maybe a little bit of pride, maybe a little bit of uh, arrogance about his own righteousness. And last week, Elihu shared that one of the reasons for affliction is to is to, yes, the body is afflicted, but it's for the purpose of the soul that we're going through that thing. Chapter 33 yesterday, or last week, said, He has redeemed my soul from going to the pit. And my life shall see light. Behold, God does all these oftentimes with men to bring back his soul from the pit. And we read some really heart-piercing commentary from Matthew Henry where he said, Elihu shows that God often afflicts the body for good to the soul. This thought will be of great use for our getting good from sickness and by which God speaks to men. Pain is the fruit of sin, yet by the grace of God, the pain of the body is often made a means of good to the soul. When afflictions have done their work, then they shall be removed. God doesn't just allow afflictions in our life willy-nilly just to be cruel or just to steal your fun or, or to ruin things for you. He allows them because they have a purpose and a work to be done within you, but it's for the good of your soul. It's, an, it's for the good of your relationship with Him. It's to teach you things like humility and dependence upon Him. So last week was very moving and heart-piercing, at least for me. And uh, I can honestly say, while I thought the study in the book of Job was going to be powerful and useful to both myself and to those of you who listen, it's been far beyond more informative far beyond more heart-piercing than I 
could have ever expected. And I don't think that today's reading is any less true. This very first chapter, chapter 35, Elihu's going to speak about man's conduct, and then he's going to answer this question, sort of, about why those who are under affliction cry out and are not heard and not regarded. And I think the answer to that question will challenge us all. It's, I'll give you a hint, it's not unlike the answer that Elihu's already given Job about his pride. Let's have a look. We're going to read chapters 35. I'm going to give you a little bit of commentary from Matthew Henry. And then I'm just going to read 36 and 37 with basically no commentary. Uh, And I just want you to open up your hearts and listen to what the Word of God has to say. But this first chapter, we're going to have a little bit of a conversation about it. It's only 16 verses. So open up your hearts. Let's hear what the Word of God has to say to us this morning. Let's begin. Chapter 35, verse 1, King James Bible. Elihu spake moreover and said, Thinkest thou this to be right, that thou saidest, My righteousness, righteousness is more than God's? For thou saidest, What advantage will it be unto thee? And what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from sin? I will answer thee, and thy companions with thee. Look into the heavens, and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than thou. If thou sinnest, what dost thou against him? Or if thy transgressions be multiplied, what doest thou unto him? If thou be righteous, what givest thou him? Or what receiveth he of thy hand? Thy wickedness may hurt a man as thou art, and thy righteousness may profit the Son of Man. By reason of multitude of oppressions, they make the oppressed a cry. They cry out by reason of the arm of the mighty. Please note, now Elihu's starting to talk about the oppression, that people feel afflictions, that people feel, and they're crying out. Verse 10, But none saith, Where is God, my Maker, who giveth songs in the night? who teaches us more than the beast of the earth, who maketh us wiser than the fowls of heaven. There they cry, but none giveth answer, because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not hear vanity, neither will the Almighty regard it. Although thou sayest, Thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him. Therefore trust thou in him. But now, because it is not so, he hath visited his anger. Yet he knoweth it not in great extremity. Therefore doth Job open his mouth in vain. He multiplieth words without knowledge. What's Elihu saying? He's saying, oftentimes, oppression, the cry for help for oppression or removal or affliction is unregarded because of the person's pride. 
you're still too prideful. And you open your mouth and speak vanities, nonsenses, murmurings. Elihu says, surely God will not hear or listen to vanity. Job's whole defense has been, I'm righteous. Remember what we read from Matthew Henry's commentary that the affliction will be removed when it served its purpose. Now listen to this. Let me read this commentary to you from Matthew Henry about the chapter we just read. Job complained that God did not regard the cries of the oppressed against their oppressor. Please note, I'm guilty of this. I look at the world and I say, this is, these evil people keep getting away with all this terrible things and oppressing and God does nothing about it. Look what they continue to do. I'm just being honest. These are some of the thoughts that I struggle with. Job also. And just like we might struggle with that, and Job struggled with that, we also struggle with why is God allowing all this to happen to me? Let me start over. Job complained that God did not regard the cries of the oppressed against their oppressors. This he knew not how to reconcile the justice of God and his government. Elihu solves the difficulty. Men do not notice the mercies they enjoy and under their affliction, nor are they thankful for them. Therefore, they cannot expect that God should deliver them out of the affliction. Please note, we're not done with this commentary, but I want you to get this. One of the reasons that the affliction is not removed from us is because during the affliction, we completely ignore all the great blessings that God is also pouring out for us. The provisions He's giving us. The protection He's giving us. The love He's giving us. The salvation He has given us. The justification that He has given us. The sanctification that He is giving us. The heat blowing into our house in the winter. The clothes on our backs. The great privilege that it is to even know Him. The great access that we have to His Word. We can go on and on and on and on. But when we're in the affliction, all we focus on is the affliction. And wonder why God won't bring us out of it. Because we can't for one minute focus on all the good that He has done for us. Alright, let me start over, because this isn't even the part that I'm wanting to actually point out to you of the commentary. Job complained that God did not regard the cries of the oppressed against their oppressor. This he knew not how to reconcile the justice of God and his government. Elihu solves the difficulty. Men do not notice the mercies they enjoy under their afflictions, nor are they thankful for them. Therefore, they cannot expect that God should deliver them out of affliction. He gives songs in the night when our condition is dark and melancholy. There is that in God's providence and promise which is sufficient to support us and to enable us to even rejoice in tribulation. When we only pour upon our afflictions and neglect the consolations of God which are treasured up for us, 
It is just in God to reject our prayers. Let me read that again. When we only pour upon or focus on our afflictions and even neglect the consolations of God which are treasured up for us, it is just in God to reject our prayers. Continuing on in these next two sentences is what I really want you to focus on, what I really wanted to point out this morning. Even the things that will kill the body cannot hurt the soul. Now listen closely. Open up your hearts. If we cry to God for the removal of an affliction, and it is not removed, the reason is not because the Lord's hand is shortened or His ear heavy, but because we are not sufficiently humbled. If we cry to God for the removal of an affliction and it is not removed, the reason is not because the Lord's hand is shortened or His ear heavy, but because we are not sufficiently humbled. The affliction has not been removed because it is not accomplished what it needs to accomplish in us, which in many cases is probably because we have not yet been humbled. We're still prideful. We're still ungrateful. We're still shaking our fist at God. Why? Why did you do this? Hard words to hear. But... I'm assuming your hearts are pierced just as mine is this morning. Let me finish up chapters 36 and 37. No more commentary this morning. Listen to the words of God. Or Elihu, but from the word of God. Chapter 36. Elihu also proceeded and said, Suffer me a little and I will show thee that I have yet to speak on God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar, and I will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. For truly my word shall not be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with thee. Behold, God is mighty, and despises not any. He is mighty in strength and wisdom. He preserveth not the life of the wicked, but giveth right to the poor. He withdraweth not his eyes from the righteous, but with kings are they on the throne. Yea, he doth establish them forever, and they are exalted. And if they be bound in fetters, and beholden in cords of affliction, then he showeth them their work, and their transgressions that they have exceeded. He openeth also their ear to, dis- to discipline, and commandeth that they return from iniquity. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and the years in pleasure. But the hypocrites in heart heap up wrath. They cry not when he bindeth them. They die in their youth, and their life is among the unclean. 
He delivereth the poor in affliction, and he openeth their ears in oppression. Even so would he have removed thee out of the strait into a broad place where there is no straightness, and that which should be set on thy table should be full of fatness. But thou hast fulfilled the judgment of the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold on thee. Because there is wrath, beware lest he take thee away with his stroke. Then a great ransom cannot deliver thee. Will he esteem thy riches? No, not gold, nor all the forces of strength. Desire not the night when people are cut off in their place. Take heed, regard not iniquity, for this hast thou chosen rather than affliction. Behold, God exalted by his power who teacheth like him, who hath enjoyed him his way. Or can say, Thou hast wrought iniquity. Remember that thou magnify his work, which men behold. Every man may see it. Man may behold it afar off. Behold, God is great, and we know him not, neither can the number of his years be searched out. For he maketh small the drops of water, they pour down rain according to the vapor thereof, which the clouds do drop and distill upon man abundantly. Also, can any understand the spreadings of the clouds or the noise of his tabernacles? Behold, he spreadeth his light upon it and covereth the bottom of the sea. For by them judges he the people, he giveth meat in abundance. With clouds he covered the light and commanded it not to shine by the cloud that cometh betwixt. The noise thereof showeth concerning it, the cattle also concerning the vapor. Chapter 37. This is the last of Elihu's discourse. At this also my heart trembleth and is moved out of his place. Hear attentively the noise of his voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directeth it under the whole heaven and is lightning unto the ends of the earth. After it a voice roareth, he thundereth with the voice of his excellency, and he will not stay them when his voice is heard. God thundereth marvelously with his voice, great things doeth he which we cannot comprehend. For he saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth. Likewise to the small rain and to the great rain of his strength, he sealeth up the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. Then the beasts go into dens and remain in their places. Out of the south cometh the whirlwind and the cold out of the north. By the breath of God, frost is given, and the breath of water is straightened. Also by the watering wherewith the thick cloud he scattereth his bright cloud, and it is turned round about by his counsels that they may do whatever he commandeth them upon the face of of the world and the earth. He causes it to come, whether for correction, or for his land, or for mercy. Hearken unto this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Dost thou know when God disposed them, and caused the light of his cloud to shine? Dost thou know the balancing of the clouds? 
the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge. How thy garments are warm when he quieteth the earth with by the sound of the wind, by the south wind. Hast thou with him spread out the sky which is strong and as a molten looking glass? Teach us what we shall say unto him, for we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness. Shall it be told him that I speak? If a man speaks, surely he will be swallowed up. And now men see the bright light which is in the clouds, but the wind passes and cleanses them. Fair weather come out of the north, with God as terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment, and in plenty of justice he will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. And that is the end of Elihu's discourse. I pray that you've been blessed this morning. The next time we resume this study, it'll now be Jehovah who's speaking. God will finally speak to Job. I'll give you just the first verse from next week. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, I'm looking forward to hearing these last few chapters of Job, this conversation with Job and God. Although Elihu's discourse is quite the blessing and filled with astonishing wisdom. There's a reason why the book of Job has been regarded the greatest book of poetry of all time and why before the modern-day apostasy, Job used to be studied in major universities. Um, it's some of the greatest poetry and writing ever put on paper. And to think that this can be written by the inspiration of some man's imagination rather than the Holy Spirit is ridiculous. This is a book that could be studied forever and never fully glean all the jewels that are in this. Well, that's all I have time for this morning. I pray you've been blessed. Please consider praying for the podcast. And if you're willing and able, consider supporting it. This can all be done at scriptureandprophecy.com. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time, God bless.